Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is NXT Revisited. Now, yesterday, you got a little special event, NXT Revisited Classic, which I'll go back and watch the 2012 stuff. But it's a new year. It's a new Rundown Wrestling podcast. It's a new Rundown Wrestling network. And one of those those new things is the new NXT Revisited, which will be looking at the current NXT product. And because, because it's such a brand new year and such a big show, I couldn't do this one alone, man. Because now, this show, NXT Revisited, it's going to be co-hosted. That's right, me and the man himself, Jason, is here. What's up? And this is actually pretty cool. This is something we've been talking about doing for quite a while, so it's cool to have it sort of come to fruition. I mean, NXT, for my money, is the best brand in the WWE and perhaps even in professional wrestling, at least for the time being. Um, And because of scheduling and sort of when we record the rundown, it's sort of been grossly underappreciated on our main show. So it's, it's cool to have an opportunity to really sort of give it the spotlight it deserves here on Revisited. That's right. And because of the fact that there's going to be two of us from now on, well, I shouldn't really say from now on because I'm still a part of the show, which means <laughs> at any point in time I could just dip out here and there. Um, but for the majority of the shows having a, a two-man group, not only do we get uh, two different opinions or probably considering it's nxt probably very similar opinions on a lot of things um but but there's also an opportunity that we might see maybe sal eventually maybe adam probably not jeff because he's a little busy right now uh because that's right it's a twofer on wednesday you get nxt revisited with jason and probably me and you get (laughs) hurry up and cruiserweights with jeff so uh very cool but let's go ahead and tackle Two nights, NXT Revisited. We're going to start off the show with Jarni Gargano. Gargano addresses his 2019 goals, and he says he wants wins and championships, which of course was something he didn't have much of last year. Uh, he still thinks Ciampa is a trash person, and has a title that he wants, but he's interested in the North American Championship instead right now. This, of course, brings out Rick O'Shea, everyone's favorite Irish wrestler. And Ricky asks if Johnny will take his belt face-to-face or from behind in the parking lot, which to me <laughs> sounds like a gay joke. Well, of course, and this is right after when talking about the DIY reunion, Gargano said, it was a one-time thing, it'll never happen again, yeah. which also sounds like a gay encounter. Yeah, yeah. So very, very homoerotic, and, and yes. it's the rundown. It wouldn't be the rundown without some homoeroticism. Um, and, and you mentioned you mentioned the the joke about him being Rick O'Shea. I just want to point out that at one point Gargano actually calls him Rick. Yes, so. he does, yeah. <laughs> um, so of course, because of the fact that these two guys don't want to do it alone, this becomes a three way. 
because our champion, Champa, walks on out. But before he can say anything, Gargano says he doesn't want Champa out there. Which brings Alistair Black onto the Tron. So Alistair, of course, gives his little, you know, if you're worried about your little, your little dog over there, you should be more worried about me taking that title from you. The camera, or the, the lights come back on. And Alistair, the Undertaker's there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, because Alistair Black is standing right behind, behind uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Um, the two of them brawl for a little bit. It was a really authentic brawl between these two yeah. guys. Um, they were kind of like scrambling all, all over the place. At, at one point in time, Alistair tried to um, to take out Ciampa on the announce table, and they like slipping on papers and kicking shit over and stuff like that. Eventually, they run off, and Gargano uses that distraction to super kick Rick in the face. Yeah, yeah, and you said authentic, and that's a great way to describe that brawl because it it felt it didn't feel like sort of your scripted hokey over the top wrestling brawl. It felt like two guys they were sloppy, they were slipping, they were sliding. It was just two guys trying to fucking go at each other, um, which also sounds like another gay joke. <laughs> Very much. Uh, but yeah, yeah no, speaking, it, it was yeah, great. Speaking of gay jokes, uh, Champa also threw a pole at Alistair Black. So <laughs> <laughs> hey now, hey. Um, so that happened. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I thought the segment was great. Uh, look, I thought the Johnny part of the segment was great. I thought Ricochet was pretty good, although he still apparently can't afford a pair of socks. Uh, <laughs> the the only thing I, I thought when you got, and I understand where they're going, but I thought when you got Tommaso and Alice, it was just way too much stuff going on. Um, it sort of took away from the intended pro- purpose of this promo, which was to get gargano and ricochet sort of rolling towards takeover and i thought when i left the segment i get that the last shot was gargano taking the cheap shot on ricochet but i sort of felt like when i left this segment black and champa had been sort of the main part of here that i remember coming out of it yeah so much so that later on in the night when they have the second part of the segment it still features champa and black so inadvertently was, yeah. yeah inadvertently yeah it's like the those two segments were completely combined, and, and yeah, you're trying to set up kind of a, a newer feud, whereas Black and Champa doesn't need as much setup, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but Ricochet and, and obviously Gargano haven't really had much of an interaction, so yeah, I felt they could have done a little bit more, but you know, it's it's still a good way to start off, off a show. Yeah, it almost felt like two separate segments that they mashed together, or in, in yeah. a way. It was yeah. Uh, so then we, we come to our first match of the evening, uh, of our... Oh, you, you missed something. What did I miss? Uh, William Regal announced on Twitter. Oh, yes, sir. Because that's all William Regal does anymore, is announce things on Twitter. It's a, like, you might as well have Johnny fucking Saint over here and get his little butt buddy from NXT UK to come out and make all the announcements for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, Regal announces on Twitter that the War Raiders are going to get a shot at Undisputed Era and the tag team titles at TakeOver Phoenix. Yeah. Also, why why is Daniel Bryan and William Regal's uh, avatar? <laughs> it's like they they show it on a screen what William Regal's like Twitter profile picture is, yeah. and Daniel Bryan's in it, and it's like, yep. well, that's weird. Yeah. Well, strange. Um, anyways, moving right along to our first match of a what they call it a double main event. There's three matches in this. Three. <laughs> and yes. yeah, and this is the first match. So yes. yeah. But anyways, Bianca Belair arrives, and my question for you, what does EST stand for? You don't don't know the whole story about that? No, I don't. Okay, so 
they've explained it a few times, but not consistently enough for if you're not a regular viewer that it makes sense. She is the EST of NXT, meaning she is the she's not fast, she's the fastest. She's not strong, she's the strongest. Okay. She's not it, it's the EST, whatever you are, she's EST. Better. Okay. All right, so she's the yeastiest. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, and, and, and and Bianca uh, Belair makes a point to spank her own ass on her way into the ring because revolution. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Nikki Cross comes up next. Does not um, spank her own ass. Does not spank her own ass, but uh, still looking like a snack. Um, also, it, it cannot feel great slamming your tits into the ropes like that. <laughs> she does it multiple times, running back and forth. It's like I. I've never I've never gone off of wrestling ropes or anything like that, but I've watched and I've watched enough shit to know like that shit hurts when it's on your back. Like it can't feel good going against your, your chest like that. Says anybody who's been in there regularly will tell you, you just sort of callous up and it doesn't affect you anymore. So you're saying that Nikki has callous titties? Could be. All right. <laughs> I mean, you'd really have to ask uh, Killian Dane. I guess so. Yep. All right. Um. Uh, this match starts off with Bianca pie facing Nikki, which of course then Nikki asks to get pie faced again. So, <laughs> um, let's do it. Yeah, do it. That, that that Bianca, uh, Belair is fucking ripped, dude. Like she is in phenomenal shape. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of her, and and this was the first time that I remember sitting there going, she is just bigger and so much mm. bigger and thicker than this. Now, I don't know if it's just Nikki being smaller than some of the other girls she's been in the ring with, but it never stood out to me the way it did in this match. Yeah, very much so. And to me, this is exactly what you need for a challenger for Shayna Baszler, is you need somebody like Belair, who is a powerhouse. And, and she, this whole match, she winds up showing off some really good power and athleticism. Um. I do have uh, I do have noted here if Crazy Face was a disease, Nikki would be patient zero. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that this entire match, every Nikki Cross match, obviously is her facials are always amazing, um, and I'm sure that Killing Dance are as well. Um, <laughs> the other thing here, uh, every every backflip Belair does is just crisp. It's yeah. there. She really knows how to move around in that ring. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into as we continue to run through on this match. It just early on, it felt like there was something missing in this match mm-hmm. for me. It just it, there was a disconnect with me, and I, I don't really know one hundred percent what it was, uh, but it definitely picked up later on. Yeah, yeah, it it did kind of start slow, which has been kind of the the modus operandi of WWE lately is matches kind of starting slow and building, which can work. Um, but you're you are trying to get Bel Air over, and by the end of the match it worked. But yeah, at the beginning I'm just like, okay, like we're we're kind of feeling each other out here. Um, hey now, yeah, hey, uh, Nikki. Although hits- it's interesting, she's still working like a heel. With with going into a match with Shayna, you might have thought they would do a little more sort of tweener stuff or face stuff with her. Yeah, with the especially after the match, um, right? There, there's some heel tendencies. We'll, we'll get mm-hmm. to it after the match. Um, Nikki hits the swing and fisherman, um, but Belair is able to roll on the outside, kind of showing off the storyline of Belair really evolving as a worker and, and mm-hmm. being smarter. Um, there was one great spot prior to that where Bianca had Nikki up for a standing vertical suplex, and mm-hmm. Nikki reversed it into a DDT, which was a nice spot. I like yeah, that. Yeah, very much so. 
Um, we do get a ramp spot again in this match as uh, Ooh, Nikki. That's brutal. See, and I don't know that this match needed a ramp spot because it's I, just just a, a random NXT match. <laughs> I so. feel like that's like the fourth or fifth time I've seen Nikki take that vicious bump on the ramp like that. It's it's at least the second time in this feud because that's how they had the double count out on the last one. Yeah, but I think she did it with Oscar too. I, like yeah. I feel like I've seen this a bunch of times from her. Yeah. The other thing I. I'm not sure if it was Jessica Carr as is the ref or if it's the other other lady, but she sure took her time on starting that count. Yeah. Because they're outside, Nikki's got her in like the sleeper hold, they slam her down. It's not until Belair is around on the other side of the ring where all of a sudden uh, Nigel's like, and the ref up to a two count. I was like, a two count? <laughs> like, But, but, uh-huh. to be fair... Jessica Carr at least dressed like a professional referee. But more on that on tomorrow's edition of The Rundown. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, uh, they both get in on the nine counts. Uh, Belair hits the KOB, uh, which is the kiss of Belair. For First time I've heard it referred to as that. I don't know about you. It's sort of like a sit-out burning hammer kind of thing. Yeah. But I've, I've never heard of it referred to as the KOB before. And I may have just missed it, but I, think, I don't know if that's a new name or what. But Well, and when she picks her up, Nigel actually calls it a torture rack at first, which is the setup for it. Right. So it was like, I don't know if he wasn't 100% sure if that's the move she was doing or, or what, yeah. but yeah. Um, but yeah, so then uh, after the match, Belair does uh, like fake yawning, which, yeah, like you said, is a very heel thing to do. And it's like, yeah, you just kind of went through hell there, lady. Like, right. <laughs> um, I, The other thing that stood out to me a lot during this match, and it sort of got to the point of being a bit of a distraction for me, um, I get that she has this long braid so that she can do the hair whip spot, but it feels like she's constantly sort of interrupting the flow of her other moves to move the fucking yeah. braid out of the way yeah. or well, grab it and push it aside. Like It's just to the point where it's like so clearly in your face that she's doing it that it gets distracted to what's going yeah. on. Well, and she didn't even use it in this match. Right. So it, it did Which really... is good, because she shouldn't use it all the time. It takes right. the specialness away from it. Yeah. But but it just feel, it felt like it's almost in the way, and then you start to wonder at a certain point, like, is the distraction worth the payoff that you get the, yeah. the one or two times she's, she's going to do it? I don't right. know. Now, I, I haven't seen um, that many Bianca Belair matches. Uh, obviously, the first time that, that she really hit my radar was uh, the uh, the Women's Battle Royal at WrestleMania, which she looked okay in. First May Young Classic was where she really sort of rose yeah. to prominence. Yeah, but this is this is not the same worker from that. Like she, definitely, yeah. She's really improved in just a short amount of time. So yeah, I, I'm very happy with that match. It was a good match. Uh, was a good way to kind of build up uh, Bianca Belair. And obviously, we know a lot of these guys on these last couple episodes, this episode included, are leaving the brand. So right. your NXT is kind of caught in this where they're like trying to make matches that are kind of going to be predictable not as predictable um, right obviously sullivan won over in his final match but it was it was it was cash sono so of course yeah. that's fine uh, was that, is, that was keith lee wasn't it oh no sorry it was keith lee yep that's right it was yeah which which to me was kind of surprising that he didn't go on his back but i understand it so in this one obviously we've got two matches that you're like well we kind of know the outcomes of them because one bianca Belair is not going to lose to nikki cross because she's undefeated right now <laughs> Uh, um, I, b- I believe that's undefeated. Yeah, um, and we kind of figured Adam Cole was was going over in the main event, but again, that was like, well, maybe he won't because it's Adam Cole; he can take losses. Um, but he already took a loss to EC3. But yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, um, 
after after that, uh, we get crime time wrapping. Uh, they're out in front of a barbershop, and they attempt <laughs> to break into stores. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I have Street Profits rap and dance, you know, because they're black. Like, I, I like the Street Profits. I'm, I've actually, and you can attest to this, I've been one of the few people defending Angelo Dawkins. I thought I saw something in this guy for a while. Um, and I think this is sort of a gimmick that's really helped him establish himself. And I think Montez Ford is a star waiting to happen. But, like, God, can we come up with something a little more creative for the, like, something different for these guys? This is the same spot you've given teams like this the entire time WWE has been in existence. Yeah. This, to your point, this is crime time. And it's, <laughs> it's really no fucking different. Can we, yeah. can we establish these guys as individuals and, and give them something that makes them stand out and be, I don't know. Could be worse. They could be Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. Yeah, more on that in a second. Um, yeah, but the segment ends with Ford and Dawkins running away from somebody. <laughs> Which, okay, sure, they're running away now. Um, so yeah, so then we go from that into the former Evolve champion Fabian Eichner and his partner Marcel Bartel. Bartel, sorry, Bartel. Bartel. In action, they're facing jobbers. Um, I did sweet, sweet matching black Letterman jackets, though. Yes. They apparently haven't lettered in anything yet, but no. they got the jackets. So, yeah. so we've got, um, fuck, what's his first name? Oh, the job. I I don't even know. My only note on this match is that ha- establishing a new team in NXT by having the jobber team hang right there in with them yeah. is a very interesting process. Yeah. So I I don't know his first name, but but Kunzman was one of them. Uh, Stanley Watts was the other one. Stanley Watts with an H on his trunks, because clearly that's not his fucking name. Uh, <laughs> uh, my only note on this, because like you, I was like, whatever, is Eichner chucked Stanley Watts up to the rafters at one point yes. in the match. Um, and then we got a powerbomb into a German, which seals the win for Irish and the Kraut. Well, and it was a German where it sort of looked like Bartel took the brunt of the damage. Like, the other guy just came down ass first on his chest. Like, it was yeah. not... It's not pretty. Nothing, nothing about it, the finish was clean at all because uh, a yeah. German guy chucks uh, Watts, <laughs> Watts into Eichner and he he was, you could clearly try see he was trying to catch him in a, a suplex kind of thing, but like his head was half out of his arm, so he had to readjust. Yeah. The whole thing was just kind of sloppy and I don't know which, <laughs> who you can kind of blame on that, but either it, way, this, yeah, this was kind yeah. of just nothing. These guys need to go back to NXT UK. Yeah. Which is sort of the developmental for developmental. Kind of. A little strange. Yeah. Uh, after that, we've got Kathy Kelly, and she has an update for us. Talk uh, about a snack. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says Champa and Black were ejected from the building. Uh, but then Ricochet walks out, and she, like, chases him down. <laughs> which, credit to her, because she's probably in heels. Um, but Ricoch- How do you do this spot and not have Johnny Gargano jump him from behind? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, O'Shea says that uh, whether Regal makes it a match or not, he wants Johnny Gargano, which is kind of exactly what Johnny Gargano was going for with that. Right, exactly. So you Mission kind of, accomplished. Yep, you played right into it. <laughs> but even this, this again, like you said, comes off of a segment built for Ulster Black and Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. Yeah. And was... they're really doing their best to integrate these two stories, and, and I'm sort of a little skeptical as to what that means for these individual matches at TakeOver, but we'll say TakeOver always delivers, so my yeah. skepticism is probably unwarranted. Yeah, but uh, hey, at least we didn't get a tag team match where Dark DIY takes on Ricochet and Aleister Black, so... 
player. Um, which that was, a, that was another weird, that was another weird thing too because uh, at the beginning of the show, Nigel Nigel mentioned something that like um, that Gargano put out and he spelled die DIY. And then, yeah. per, then, per, then of course the promo starts and it's like DIY is nothing good of it. It's like, well, that made you look like kind of an idiot, didn't it? <laughs> like, well, I think this is to, the whole story though yeah. is that Gargano's denying it, denying it, denying it, right. and it's going to end up being part of some master yeah. plan. Most likely, that's how Aleister Black's not going to win championship. But we're going to get on that on the main show in a couple of weeks here. Or to you know, uh, since we got a commercial for it, enjoy a new episode of Hurry Up and Cruise Away tonight from Jeff because it's a rundown yes. double main event. Yes. Um, yeah. After the it's sort of like a threesome, just we're in different rooms. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's sort of like uh, Jeff is a cock, and he's watching us. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. So now I'm hard. There you go. So here's here's the thing. So obviously we've got uh, Takeover Phoenix coming up here, and for whatever reason we have two theme songs for the event. We usually do. So they start these little like segments of showing the theme song with like a music video both of them started with a with one single person standing there and i thought they were promo videos for people debuting <laughs> and i'm like i was like i'm like who's this guy i'm like i never heard of him and then all of a sudden it was oh it's just like and then like a, the, the chick comes for the second one i was like oh this is cool she's got oh no wait never mind it's just a theme song <laughs> Like, I don't know enough about the bands to recognize that, oh, that's the lead singers of those bands. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed. Eh, sorry. Um, but before we get into our main event, Shara, Sarah Schreiber, I think is what they call her. Wait, is uh, that, isn't that uh, Seth Rollins' ex-girlfriend slash... No, that would be Zara. Okay. Yeah. That, that name has to be a rib, though, then. Probably, yeah. Zara Schreiber, uh, who is now uh, banging... Um, Daria, uh, Sonia Deville. Sonia Deville, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Sarah Schreiber is with Queef Lee, and Queef talks like he's giving a dead talk. He's, he's very... He's, very, he's got like, a great voice. He's, he's got he voiceover work in his future. Yeah, he does have, have a great voice. Then he proceeds to talk like Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> uh, they let off by showing Matt Riddle getting the shit kicked out yeah. of him by Cassius Ono last week in the only match in a two-hour show. Yeah. So yeah, um... Queef wants to take on Cassius Ono next week to give a little revenge because apparently he's really good friends with Matt Riddle, which is news to me. No, they've been playing that up a cup for for a little while now on NXT since they both signed. And I will say this, and we and we've crapped on Cassius Ono in this rundown feed in the past, but let's be let's give this guy credit. He's come in and he's sort of definitely taking the mantle of like the player coach of NXT. He's working at the performance center to train all these new guys and he is busting his ass to get other new guys over on TV. So good on yeah. him. Yeah, no, he's he's not nearly as bad as some guys on WWE that don't belong there anymore. Um, you know, he he definitely is a guy who still has something to offer. So mm-hmm. I, I will give him that. Yep. Our main event, EC3 versus Adam Cole Baby. Um, so Adam Cole arrives with the rest of the Undisputed Era, um, which of course, to me, like they are pretty much the modern day DX, aren't they? Like the the way that NWO, they kind of, I think is even more an apt. Yeah, comparison. NWO for sure, uh, because they don't really do as much as like the jokey things. Obviously, you've got uh, O'Reilly doing the little guitar on the on the yeah. belt. Um, the the boom is more over than half the fucking roster is. Yeah, which which is so weird because it's like it. 
like the first time I saw it, I was like, it's kind of random, but it's it's endearing. And then now, like, yeah, everyone is just like excited for it. And then obviously, once he gets in the ring, everyone chants along Adam Cole baby with him. So, um, now, I, have you been following this this storyline at all, Troy? Not really. I will okay. say because and somebody who's listening can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I could have sworn this whole thing started with EC3 challenging Bobby Fish. And it sounded from commentary, it sounded like Bobby it did. Fish. Yeah, yeah. On, on on commentary, they made it seem like EC3 first went after Bobby Fish and beat him. So, well, he he faced Adam Cole before and beat Adam Cole, and then he cut promos about how Bobby Fish was the one that was standing in his way, mm-hmm. and then he's not fading, facing Bobby Fish. Oh, a little I, strange. Okay, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, the, they didn't expect him to get called up as soon as he did, so maybe that was Probably. the plan eventually. Um, but yeah, so the one of my, my first notes is it sounds like Nigel wants to suck Adam Cole's dick. <laughs> <laughs> he very much is just like, he's the guy that everybody wants to be with, and, and me too. Um, I, I love the fact that at one point they're in the, the corner and Adam Cole gives him a clean break, does the full-on Adam Cole, baby, mm-hmm. and then goes, that's me! Yep. That's me! <laughs> like, we didn't fucking know. You just had the whole building chant your fucking name, dude. We know who you are. This this was a match. This was a good match. Don't get me yeah. wrong. There, yeah, was, was... there was so much other stuff going on that was distracting, but fucking hilarious or fucking great. A lot of it was was the UE guys on the outside, especially yeah. Bobby Fish, who wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so in the vein, and I I know I ruined Baron Corbin for you by mm-hmm. pointing out the whole belly button face thing. Yeah. Um. So so from things that I noticed that I'm gonna tell you about that you're never gonna not be able to notice again. Mm-hmm. Adam Cole's head looks way too big for his body. No, I've I've always thought that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's that's nothing new. He def he definitely has kind of an, an odd appearance to him. His proportions are off. I, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, there was a moment in here in this match where EC3 almost dropped Adam Cole on his fucking head, uh, but I kind of blame it on Cole because he was really moving around a lot, and it was it was on the the uh, the scoop slam attempt, and Cole was like wiggling around and he almost dropped him, and then Cole went to the outside. Um, my other notes here are Bobby Fish yelling, I like that idea, when Cole was trying to superplex EC3 to the outside was great. Yeah. Um, and then Fish yelling for him to get him, get him, get him. <laughs> uh, and also then at one point he just starts yelling at the referee. <laughs> at one point at one point EC3's got him set up and, and Bobby Fish is just yelling, give me something, Adam, give me yeah. something. <laughs> like, what? He was, he's, he kind of reminds me of like... Um, Back back before he was kind of separated from things, Dana White used to do that at UFC shows, yeah. where he'd like sit on the on the outside and just like cheer on the guys and stuff like that. He'd be the biggest cheerleader ever. It's just like yeah. that's great for Bobby. He's just he's he makes his presence felt. That's for sure. I just feel bad for him. Guy won the fucking tag titles. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Roderick Strong turns on Pete Dunne, takes his spot, takes his yeah. tag title. Bobby Fish comes back. He's got his fucking belt back. He's yeah. just like, okay, now you're the guy that carries around the Dusty Trophy, which mysteriously gets smaller every time we see it. <laughs> I don't even think it was out there this time, was it? No, it wasn't this time. Yeah. <laughs> but it started with the giant trophy, mm-hmm. and then every week they would cut one of those promos in the back, and, and every week the trophy would get smaller and smaller. I think the last time I saw it, it was one of those, like, fucking novelty trophies you buy at Spencer Gifts. Nice. It's probably just in his pocket at this point. It's a keychain. Yeah. 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 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the end of the match sees uh, UE distract the referee. EC3 is able to take out the members, but as he turns around, Bobby Fish nails him, uh, then hits him. What what is what does he call his move? The, the, the last the shot. Back. The last shot, yep. Hits him with the last shot, which uh, gets the three, and of course, kind of protects EC3. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, after the match... If the stra- however, if yeah. the strategy was have everybody jump in the ring and distract EC3 so you can hit the... Why don't we just do that at the beginning? Why right. don't we wait till the end of the match to do that? Yeah. Um, also, the... <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly didn't even get halfway in the ropes before he got taken out. So it's true. Um, but yeah, so after the match, UE starts stomping the shit out of EC3, and War Raiders come running out to help. Um, we get an awesome spot here where um, Ro body slams and power bombs two members of UE at the same time, <laughs> which was pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, I, I popped for the part where uh, Hanson, and maybe it's my personal bias. I love Todd Hanson. Uh, maybe it was just because of that but when he fucking cartwheeled away from the high low yes. from undisputed that was amazing i love that move that was great yeah the these two dudes man like they continue to be impressive as fuck yeah um and this yeah. was their first appearance since war games right so. yeah um so yeah so uh, the show goes off the air with uh, with ue running away and war raiders standing tall so obviously you know more of a setup to you know to take over phoenix uh but a good setup because i am and pumped for that match. Yep. So, yeah, I think that could be a, that's a potential show stealer right there. Very much so. Um, so uh, all in all, um, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was yeah, good. it was decent, unspectacular. I mean, there's certainly better episodes going on. This was definitely one of the hey, let's say goodbye to these people that are leaving and mm-hmm. you know build a couple things for the pay per view. It was nothing spectacular. Like I said, I thought the the opening promo was good, but got a little convoluted, and you know that was, I guess, probably supposed to be the highlight of the show coming mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, all in all, a good setup episode. Gets the, gets the wheels moving, gets uh, you know, kind of shuffles off some some people that are leaving, uh, and opens the door for some new new guys coming in. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens uh, next week. Uh, but of course, keep it locked here to the Rundown Wrestling Network. As tomorrow, you will get the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Uh, me, Jason, and most likely Jeff. I think he'll be recovered from his 205 Live hangover at that point. Uh, we've, we've got a big show tomorrow. We've got two different pay-per-views that are um, not WWE pay-per-views. Yeah. Well, one, one sort of is. One sort of is. It's an, the NXT UK yeah. show. For, the, for those of you who spend, and we hear it, a little bit, but for those of you who say we spend way too much time on WWE, tune in tomorrow because we're going to spend a lot less time on WWE than we usually do. Right? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a lot of different things to talk about, but that is for tomorrow. So I hope you enjoyed the revitalized, brand spanking new NXT Revisited, and we will see so you like, next Wednesday. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work <laughs> doesn't, on this show. Doesn't work that way. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to come up with something separate. There we go. All right. Well, just just give them a bye bye and we'll get out of here. <laughs> Bye-bye. Go to rundownrustic.com. <laughs> All right. Let me stop my recorder here. Let me stop this and export it just in case we need it real quick.